So glad to be here with you tonight. Um, for those of you who are actually here, for those of you who may be watching the live stream, just glad that you're tuned in. Um, we've been in our series, Glory, and um, for those of you who haven't been here, you've missed some. We've been in this for four or five weeks now, and what we did the first week was we kind of did an introdu introductory message. So we explained what glory is, kind of how it's presented in the Bible, because I think we all know that we've heard the phrase, you know, that we're supposed to live our lives for God's glory, that God does things for his glory. We see that all over scripture. But many of us, I think, if we were to be asked, okay, define glory, define the word, we would have a very difficult time giving a definition of that. And so that's what we kind of went over. And then since then, we've been giving examples throughout scripture where God specifically works things out, where God uses his creation and God uses us to glorify himself. And so that's kind of where we are, and that's kind of where we'll be going tonight. This message goes with this series, but in sort of a different way than what we've been doing. Um, so, but just real quick, for those of you who don't know me, I'm the youth pastor here, okay? I've been the youth pastor here for close to three months now. I can't remember the date, honestly, but close to three months, okay? And I was filling that in an interim role for about four to five months before that, and I've been preaching on and off um, pretty regularly since then. And one thing ever since I kind of started in this leadership role, in this ministry that I've been burdened with or not burdened with, that I felt a very heavy heart towards is being a shepherd, not just to the youth but to this church body as a whole. Looking after this body and trying to pay attention to the ways in which we are being obedient we are living according to the word in ways in which we are not, ways in which we need to change what we are doing and, and we need to be repentant and begin being obedient. And because of that, I've had a specific issue that I've struggled with pretty much since I started, and I didn't know what to say or how to say it or what avenue to use, so I've been praying about that. And it's, it's interesting because as I go throughout this ministry, God reminds me more and more that he's working according to his agenda and not mine. Um, so I actually, I had a passage picked out for this. I didn't have my message prepared yet, but I had a passage picked out. And I was just kind of waiting until this past weekend when I would have a little time to put it together. And I was in my own personal just kind of Bible study last week. It didn't have anything to do with this passage or the passage I originally had picked out. It was I was in, I believe, Psalms 5. And it was Thursday night, and I was reading it, and in the middle of, of the sentence, in the middle of reading it, I could feel the Holy Spirit telling me to turn the pages. And I mean, it was clear as day. It was like somebody was standing there going, this is it, you need to pay attention. And so I turned to Ezekiel 37, and I know Ezekiel 37, I've read it before, but honestly, I hadn't read it in a while. I hadn't come across it in a while or thought of it, but I mean, it was clear as day, that's where I needed to go. And so that's where we're going to be tonight. And I want you to know, for those of you in here who know me well, for those of you who don't know me well and never met me at all, I love all of you that come in here. And I love you enough that even if I haven't met you, if I'm up on this stage and I'm talking to you and there's anything that you hear, I want it to be the truth. Even if I'm stumbling over my words, I want to be stumbling over the truth. But sometimes the truth is very difficult. Because usually when the truth is difficult, it means we're not living in it. So tonight's going to be a little bit difficult. Okay, and tonight is kind of a, a topic that even if, 
for people watching on the live stream who are not a part of the church or those of you that are here and you've never been here before, you're not a part of this church body, you can use it in your own life. But this was kind of geared specifically towards this church body, okay? This is who I have in mind. So I'm going to try not to go too long, okay? But because of the nature of this and it kind of being a little more specialized, I may go a little bit longer than normal. I'm not going to keep you till 7.30, okay? But I'm not going to be done in 10 minutes either, all right? So, like I said, we're going to be in Ezekiel 37, and I'm just going to start with verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. I want to stop here. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the book of Ezekiel, what it is is it tells his around 20-year prophetic ministry, okay? And God is giving him visions all throughout this ministry, many of which have to do with the just wrath of the children of Israel and later on their restoration, okay? And so Ezekiel gets this vision from the Lord. He's taken to the valley, okay? And, and this, is, this would have been a very frightening picture. This is not like a valley with a lot of green grass and it's got a river flowing through it and there's flowers. And No, this would have been most likely very, very frightening. Almost like a nightmare, okay? This would have been scary. And it makes, it, it puts an emphasis on two things in this passage. The first being that there's a lot of bones in this valley. It's not just like a skeleton here, another one there. It actually says it twice. It says it at the end of verse 1, and it kind of makes a break. It says, the Lord, it says, in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. Then mine has a semicolon, and it says, it was full of bones. So it kind of makes this break, and then it, it makes sure you understand it was full of bones. And then just a few words later in the middle of verse 2, it says, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. Okay, so these are scattered bones, and they're Everywhere, It's a lot of them. It would have been very overwhelming. The second thing it brings to light is that they were very dry. We see that at the end of verse 2. Now, that's significant because of this. Ezekiel gets his first vision, which is talked about immediately in chapter 1, around the year 393 B.C. All right? And then his last vision, which is of the second temple, which actually covers the end of the book, chapters 40 through 48, would have been around 373 B.C., okay? So that's about 20 years, like I said. Well, these bones that are in the valley, what you may not know, is that they are actually the army of Israel. And we see in chapter 6, which we'll actually read in a couple of minutes, that Ezekiel gets a vision that God is going to destroy his own army. That's chapter 6. That would have been close to that 393 B.C. time frame. While this is right just three chapters before the last vision around 373. So what we see is though we don't have an exact timetable, these bones probably would have been drying out in this hot, desolate valley for about 10 to 15 years. They've been there for a long time. It's not like they just got there. They just died. It's been a long time. So there's a lot of them, and they're very dry. All right, and I'm going to go on. Verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I love this part. And I answered, O Lord God, you know. 
Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Remember that phrase, you shall know that I am the Lord. It's repeated over and over again in this chapter and in chapter 6 when we read it. That's probably telling you that it's kind of a central theme. That's everything that goes on right here, okay? So Ezekiel is, is having this vision. He's in the valley. He sees the bones, and God tells him to speak to the many dry bones. So the next time you're driving down the road and you see a dead animal on the side of the road, what I would like you to do is get out of your car and speak to it and see how foolish you feel. Now imagine it's hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of bones, and they've been laying there for 10 to 15 years. And I love the, the start of verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews upon them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. That's important. Remember that. Okay? They look like bodies, but they're not alive yet. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. I'm going to take a break for just a second, and I'm going to kind of connect the issue that I told you I've been having with this passage, okay? I started coming to this church. The first time I was actually here was the first Sunday of 2018. So it was just over two years ago, whatever date that was in January, the very first one. And I had been invited here a couple of times um, by some different people, actually. And I knew Kenny. Um, I just started coaching Cassidy, so I kind of knew them. I knew about the church. Um, but the church I was at was a wonderful church, still a wonderful church. I wasn't looking to leave, but I got invited. And so I said, you know what? I'll go. And I actually... Um, I never left. I've been here since. Um, and I fell in love with this body. And I remember I would come in. This is who I was at the time. I would come in at about 10.03, 10.04, so everybody that was normally hanging out in the lobby would be in here, and I didn't have to talk to anybody. All right? And I would sit in those chairs that we used to put by the bathrooms back there because every seat in these four sections was, was full. And I would leave when Kenny would pray at the end again, so I didn't have to talk to anybody. And, um, but I remember it was the second or third time I was here. And we were singing the songs, and I was just kind of standing there. And I was watching people in front of me who are pretty much falling on their face in tears, raising their hands and jumping up and down and crying out to God. And, I mean, this place is just infatuated with God. I mean, the so in love, I had never been a part of worship like that. And I would, I would look at people and then look at me and be like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not that way? I want to love something the way these people love Jesus. 
This place was alive, man. Like, it was so real. And I, I want to be careful with my words because I don't want to feel like I'm putting all of you in this box. But I'm just talking collectively as a whole. I don't see that fire anymore. When I get up here and I talk, a lot of times I become more and more discouraged than the time before because I see a lot of dry bones when I look at you. And I love you. I, I love you, which is why I want to tell you the truth. And if you want to get angry and offended at me, that's okay, you can. But understand, if you're angry and offended, the problem you have is that most likely, like I said, this truth applies to you. And so the actual person you have a problem with is most likely God and not me. And I kind of, in a way, I'm not at all trying to call myself Ezekiel, okay? I'm not putting myself in that place. But when he's talking to the dry bones, I, I kind of get that. And when he says, or when God says, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answer, Oh Lord, you know. I can't tell you how many prayers I have like that where I'm going, am I, am I saying something wrong? Am I not... Am I not doing what I'm supposed to do? Am I not being faithful enough? Am I not preaching the word to, to its entirety and to, to the exact truth? And is there something I'm doing? Do I need to do something more? And then I just have to end up saying, God, I don't know, but you do. And I think the reason so many of us in here have that problem right now is and we're, we're, we're kind of like dry bones is the same reason the army of Israel ended up like dry bones. And I'm going to read that for you. Like I said, this is Ezekiel chapter 6. This is when Ezekiel has the vision from God of what God is going to do to the army of Israel. I want you to listen to how vivid this is and, and how, how harsh it sounds. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. And say, you mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains and the hills, to the ravines and the valleys, Behold, I, even I, will bring a sword upon you. And I will destroy your high places. Your altars shall become desolate, and your incense altars shall be broken, and I will cast down your slain before your idols. And I will lay the dead bodies of the people of Israel before their idols, and I will scatter your bones around your altars. Wherever you dwell, the cities shall be waste, the high places ruined, so that your altars will be waste and ruined. The cities, listen, the cities will be waste and ruined, so that your altars will be waste and ruined. Okay, notice it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a, he's going through this logically. There's a reason he's destroying the cities. And it's so the idols that are getting in the way of the children of Israel worshiping the one true God, he's destroying the cities so those will be destroyed. Okay? Your idols broken and destroyed, your incense altars cut down, your works wiped out, and the slain shall fall in your midst, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Yet I will leave some of you alive, when you have among the nations some who escape the sword, and when you are scattered through the countries, 
Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive. How I have broken over their whoring heart that has departed from me and over their eyes that go whoring after their idols. That's a nasty sounding verb. You ever thought about that? But, but there's a reason because I know we all have a thought of what that word kind of means because of how it's been used in other contexts. But there's a reason. It's because what these people have been doing is they've been selling themselves to idols and things that will distract them from God in these nasty and grotesque ways. It kind of sounds disgusting. It kind of sounds detestable because it is. And they will be loathsome in their own sight for the evils that they have committed, for all their abominations. And they shall know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I would do this evil to them. Thus says the Lord God, clap your hands and stamp your foot and say, alas, because of the evil abominations of the house of Israel, for they shall fall by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. He who is far off shall die of pestilence. He who is near shall fall by the sword, and he who is left in his preserve shall die of famine. Thus I will spend my fury upon them, and you shall know that I am the Lord. When their slain lie among their idols around their altars, on every high hill, on all the mountaintops, under every green tree, and under every leafy oak, wherever they offered pleasing aroma to all their idols. And I will stretch out my hand against them and make the land desolate and waste in all their dwelling places from the wilderness to Ribla. Then they will know that I am the Lord. The reason so many of us in here or watching or I'll be honest, there's a lot of people that are not in here and won't hear this that this applies to too, and that's fine. But the reason so many of us are dry is the same reason that the children of Israel and the army of Israel were dry because we're worshiping everything except the God we're supposed to be. The reason we would rather sit at home on a Wednesday night Maybe watching this on the, on the live stream, maybe not, with our blanket and our cup of coffee is because our God is comfort, not God. The reason we go to our small groups or, you know, some of the youth go back there or, or we sit in here on Sundays and we just kind of listen but we're not really engaged and we don't care is because we're more worried about our reputation and what people think if we don't go than we are about actually worshiping God. It's because our God is anything else we can find except for the one and only God. And we see in chapter 6 the result of what he does to his own children when they intentionally go astray. And they just don't care. We see what happens. And don't think it's going to be any different with us. Chapter 37, verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Some of us need to feel like that right now. Some of us need to feel really, 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 really low. We need to feel and understand that we are very dried up. Sometimes you can know information, 
okay, but you don't really understand the gravity and the weight and the density of it until you feel it. It's like a knot in your gut. Some of us need that tonight. And I say that not because I hate you or I want anything bad for you, but because I love you and this word gives you a hope. If you feel like that, if you have sold yourself to something else other than God, to your reputation, your job, your family, money, sex, drugs, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you've sold yourself to something else, you may be dried up and you may have been dried up for a long time, but there's a hope for you. Verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. You don't have to stay dried up. But what that's going to take is you admitting that something's not right and falling down before God and asking for forgiveness. Because there's some of you that are, that are totally dry. You're like the scattered bones. You don't even pretend to really care that much anymore. Maybe you still show up and maybe you don't. But even if you do show up, you're just like, all right, let's get this over with. I want to go home. And then there's some of you that it's kind of like what we read in verses 7 and 8 where you've got flesh and you look alive but you don't have the breath yet. So you come in here every time the doors are open and you volunteer in the nursery and you volunteer to help with the youth and you help with Operation Christmas Child and when we make meals for New Man and, and you go on mission trips and all this kind of stuff. But in your heart, what you want is to be noticed for that stuff. And chances are, if you're one of those people that look alive but you're not, when I was just talking about these dry bones, the thought in your head was you had someone specifically or a group of people specifically you were thinking about and you were going, yeah, are y'all listening? I don't care which one of those you fall in, there's a hope for you. But the thing about it is, is you have to recognize where the hope comes from. It doesn't come from the things that you continue to chase after every day. God, who, who we talk about all the time, is a good and loving God, and He is, found more glory in destroying His own people than allowing them to worship false gods. Think about that. But He didn't leave them destroyed. He raised them back up for the purpose of restoring them to himself. That's the loving God that you have. That even when he destroys you, he destroys you for the purpose of taking everything that you hold dear and ripping it from you and replacing it with himself. And so that's what we need to recognize tonight. It really is. We need to recognize the place that we're in. And 
we need to fall down before God in, in coming to Him with total brokenness, but understanding that He's the one who heals. But the thing about it is, is you don't have forever. You can't say, oh, I'm going to wait until tomorrow. I'm going to wait until tonight. You don't know if that's coming for you. Everybody may not know, but it's all over the news. Okay, Kobe Bryant woke up Sunday morning not knowing that was the last morning he would ever wake up. He kissed his wife and his three girls that he left at home not knowing he was, that was the last time he would ever see them. And they didn't know that was the last time they would ever see him and his 13-year-old daughter. If you wait, there's a chance it could be too late for you. But you have an opportunity now. You still have breath in your lungs and you still have a heart and you still have a mouth to be able to cry out to God and ask for forgiveness and repent from your dryness so that he can put new flesh upon you and he can give you breath. Breath of life. But you can't just sit there. We have to recognize where we are. I love this place. I love, not, not the place, but I love the people in this place. I love y'all. But we need to wake up. Because we don't have forever. And I love you too much to just let you keep going being dry and not saying something. Father, thank you so much for this word for this book that is filled with so much truth that we can go to for any situation and in the, the greatest of joy and the worst of sorrow we have something in here that we can go to and we can be reminded that you are our joy that you are the one true God that even when we do run to these other things and we try to find our joy and our fulfillment in these other things and they don't work and we feel broken you are the God that not only destroys, but then puts on brand new flesh and brand new breath. So if you need to destroy us tonight to be able to do that, then do it, Father. But we know that you are faithful to restore. Thank you for this, these people in here tonight. I love them, Father, and I know you love them infinitely more than I ever could. So I pray that your spirit will move throughout this place. In Jesus' name.